0: Welcome to A Great Big City News, episode 62. Today, the Stonewall anniversary and the Bronx-Lebanon hospital shooting. Hi, I'm Trace Gilton, founder of A Great Big City. A Great Big City is only possible through your support. So visit agreatbigcity.com slash support to make a one-time or monthly contribution or if you're a local business, visit agreatbigcity.com slash advertising and place an ad on the website or on our podcast to let interested New Yorkers know about your business. Visit agreatbigcity.com slash advertising to view rates and learn more. And now, this week in New York City history. Last week I told you about the very first roller coaster that was built in Coney Island and modeled after a Pennsylvania mine cart track, but 93 years ago on June 22, 1927. The Coney Island Cyclone opens to the public. Originally part of Astro Land Amusement Park, it's now part of Luna Park, and the coaster has been refurbished over the years and parts have been replaced and modernized, but the current ride is one of the last remaining wooden roller coasters. A ride costs 25 cents on opening day, and the coaster climbs 85 feet and attains a top speed of 60 miles per hour. By the 1960s, plans were made to tear down the cyclone, and in 1969 the city purchased the site for $1 million with the intention of expanding the nearby aquarium onto the property. The coaster was saved by public outcry in the 1970s and has become a recognized symbol of both Coney Island and New York City itself. The cyclone was declared a New York City landmark in 1988 and a National Historic Landmark in 1991. Although the Coney Island cyclone still stands tall, the opening of the park at Coney Island this year has been delayed due to coronavirus concerns. An opening day has been postponed until further notice. 51 years ago on June 28, 1969, tensions between the police and the gay community boil over into a revolt during an overnight raid on the Stonewall Inn. The gay community had suffered under repeated police raids, but during one night raid at Stonewall, clubgoers refused to disperse and protested the actions of the police against one of the only clubs that would accept them. The uprising at the Stonewall Inn began as clubgoers stood up against the repeated raids and undercover police sting operations targeting gay clubs, and a movement grew from those first days of fighting that formed the modern movement for LGBT rights. What would become known as the Stonewall Riots marked a turning point in the fight for gay rights, and on the one-year anniversary of the showdown, the first LGBT Pride March in history took place from Christopher Street to Central Park, with simultaneous parades in Los Angeles and Chicago. In 2019, then-Police Commissioner James O'Neill made a public statement on June the 6th, formally apologizing for the actions of the NYPD in 1969. 37 years ago, on June 28, 1983, eight men are arrested in a $1.5 million gold heist. The theft took place at Inca Industries, a jewelry manufacturer in the Bronx. The suspects claimed to be part of a large burglary ring, but were unaware that they were being monitored by the FBI, who observed the suspects drive to Inca Industries at 4510 Furman Avenue in Woodlawn, and the FBI watched them disable the alarm system and spend several hours inside, finally emerging with 11 duffel bags packed full of hundreds of pounds of gold and silver. FBI agents followed their vehicles back to Yonkers and Paramus, New Jersey, and arrested the eight men who ranged in age from 36 to 62 years old. The jewelry manufacturing plant had also been robbed of $100,000 just four months earlier by thieves who had also bypassed the security system. Three years ago, on June 30, 2017, A doctor opens fire at Bronx Lebanon Hospital, killing one and wounding six. Dr. Henry Bello had previously worked at the hospital and had been forced to resign two years prior amid sexual harassment allegations, after which he reportedly vowed to come back and kill his co-workers. All the victims seemed to be randomly targeted, with the doctor at the scene claiming that Bello was searching for a specific worker at the hospital whom he had previously threatened. Bello died after barricading himself inside the hospital and turning the gun on himself. Dr. Tracy Tam was killed in the attack while filling in for a colleague and had never even met the killer before. Having joined the hospital after Bello was forced to resign, she was described as selfless, hardworking and dedicated and has been honored with the Tracy Tam Memorial Alumni Award for Compassion at the Touro College of Osteopathic Medicine in Midtown, where she had received her doctorate in 2013. As of April 2019, a lawsuit was still in progress, where Justin Temperio, who was shot and injured in the attack, is suing Bronx Lebanon over security lapses that potentially allowed Bello to enter the hospital, possibly using an expired access card. Twenty-one years ago, on July 1st, 1999, area code 646 launches in Manhattan to supplement 212 and 917 numbers. New York's most recent area code is 332, which was assigned to Manhattan in 2017. With the shift toward mobile phones and the portability of numbers, New York area codes can now travel across the country, bringing along the legacy of having once been assigned to someone living in New York City. Thirty-four years ago on July 3rd, 1986. The opening ceremony of Liberty Weekend begins four days of celebrations around the Statue of Liberty's 100th anniversary and reopening after an extensive renovation. In 1983, she had a broken nose, a cracked right eye, a split lip, stains on her gown. Now, more than anything else, she's got a brand new torch. She lights the way again. There were multiple musical events, a parade of ships, a blimp race, and the relighting of the Statue of Liberty's torch after two years of renovation work. Many major performers and conductors were featured in concerts across the New York City area, including a night concert on July 5th in Central Park that attracted 800,000 attendees Becoming one of the largest audiences in history. That I meet, the children in the playground, the faces that I see all races and religions that's America to me. And four years ago on July 3rd, 2016, a tourist steps on an explosive device in Central Park. Just before 11 a.m., 18-year-old Connor Golden stepped on what appeared to be a discarded plastic bag, but some form of explosive inside detonated, leaving Connor with serious injuries to his left leg such that it had to be amputated. The blast took place among exposed rocks in a popular area at the southeast corner of Central Park at 60th Street. The location suggests that someone may have seen the culprit placing the bag, and regardless of the bomber's intention, the explosion ended up randomly targeting anyone who stumbled across the bag in the area. Investigators soon identified that the explosive used was called TATP, commonly used in terror attacks and capable of being produced using household chemicals. The bomb was not considered to be terror-related since it did not contain shrapnel or a detonation device and appeared more like an experiment that had been discarded. The most unique clue found at the scene were the shredded remains of a bakery bag from La Unica Bakery in New Jersey. Upon further investigation, the current owner of the bakery stated that the bag design found at the explosion had not been used since 2010, six years before the explosion. The police hope that this detail will prompt someone's memory to identify a suspect who may also have an interest in chemistry or explosives and may have lived nearby the southeast corner of Central Park in 2016, since the explosive is volatile and difficult to safely transport once manufactured. If you have any information or photos from that day, contact the NYPD Crime Stoppers at 1 800 577 TIPS. or via text message at CRIMES 274-637 or via an online form available at the link in the show notes. In 2017, the NYPD and the ATF increased the reward for potential leads to $40,000. And two years ago, on July fourth, 2018, a woman climbs the Statue of Liberty pedestal, causing Liberty Island to be evacuated and canceling many midday 4th of July tours. She had taken part in an earlier protest at the base of the statue that involved members of Rise and Resist NY unfurling an Abolish Ice banner and wearing Abolish Ice shirts while standing below the statue but at 3.33 p.m., Therese Patricia Okumo began to climb the base of the monument, eventually reaching the copper base of the statue under Lady Liberty's right foot. She remained there for three hours until NYPD Emergency Services Unit officers removed her safely. Rise and Resist claimed they had no knowledge that Theresa Okumo planned to climb the statue, although she was one of 40 people who had come to the island for the protest. She was found guilty of misdemeanor trespassing and disorderly conduct in December 2018 and sentenced to 200 hours of community service and five years probation in March 2019. Each time, she appeared in court wearing clothing customized with phrases targeted at the Trump administration's treatment of asylum seekers and a headband with I care written on it, referencing Melania Trump wearing a jacket with I really don't care written on the back while visiting children being detained at the southern border. Okumu herself had immigrated to the United States from the Democratic Republic of Congo and became a U.S. citizen in 2016. When asked why she made the climb, Okumu responded with the clever quip that former First Lady Michelle Obama had said, When they go low, we go high. So Okumu went as high as she could. It wouldn't be her last stunt in protest of immigration policy. In February 2019, Okumu scaled a building in Texas belonging to Southwest Key To draw attention to its involvement in housing children separated from their families at the border and spent eight hours atop the building before climbing down voluntarily put on your darkest sunglasses and hold your cell phone camera high because on July 12th, July 13th, Manhattan Hinge brings its golden glow to the streets of New York. Sun worshipers will be dashing into the intersections just before sundown to see the twice a year phenomenon when the setting sun lines up with the Manhattan street grid. Check out our guide with photography tips and the best viewing locations at agreatbigcity.com slash Hinge, and send in your photos to A Great Big City on social media. Looking back at some stories through A Great Big City history, eight years ago in June 2012, Some of the last dwindling down remaining members of Occupy Wall Street had set up camp sleeping outside the iron fence of Trinity Church in Lower Manhattan. Many of the tactics and lessons learned from Occupy Wall Street's camp in Zuccotti Park are now being applied eight years later to the Occupy City Hall protest camp, where activists are now calling for a reduction in funding of the New York Police Department. And one year ago, I made a post on the Great Big City blog, formally declaring that A Great Big City will no longer publish on Facebook. That decision was made after Casey Newton at The Verge detailed the horrors that moderators face moderating content from Facebook at third-party companies who are paid to review the content and filter out the most egregious material. Content moderator Sean Spiegel went into detail of the graphic violence and depraved images and videos he saw that were not only being traded on Facebook, but that Facebook users were specifically producing and auctioning off within private Facebook groups. Facebook allowed that content and behavior to continue since it was not being posted publicly, and so a great big city will have no part in associating our name with anything related to Facebook now or in the future. Now, one year later... A coalition of major companies have dealt a blow to Facebook by pulling their advertising from the company due to the site's unwillingness and inability to stop the spread of hate on its platform. As of June 2020, the list of companies that have withdrawn advertising contain massive companies like Coca-Cola, Starbucks, Hershey's, Levi Strauss, Patagonia, Verizon, and Unilever. And finally, a word of warning looking forward to the summer. You can use these last remaining moments of the coronavirus shutdown within the city to take a look around your apartment in your neighborhood and eliminate any possible sources of standing water. Nine years ago in a great big city, we were sending out the warning that the first mosquitoes infested with the West Nile virus had been detected within the city. Although humans have taken the spotlight for spreading coronavirus across the world, mosquitoes still remain one of the most deadly forms of life across the world. Their ability to spread blood-borne diseases results in more deaths than any other animal. You can do your part by calling 311 if you spot any sources of standing water, which is where mosquitoes breed during the summer. Even if those locations are on private property, the city will investigate. To keep yourself safe from mosquito bites, which may just be a nuisance or may be dangerous if the mosquito is carrying a disease, be sure to install screens in your windows or get an expanding screen if you plan to crack your window open during the summer. Coming up next from the Great Big City. This woman bought what she thought was a watermelon, but you won't believe what happened next. <clears throat> Coming up. Would you like to enable desktop notifications? I said no already. <sighs> Coming up next. Homeowners in Oswego, New York can't believe this one weird trick. Other news websites are quick to trick their readers with clickbait headlines and undercover ads, but A Great Big City is dedicated to keeping the news straightforward and factual. If A Great Big City has kept you informed over the years, make a contribution at agreatbigcity.com support. And if you're a local business, visit agreatbigcity.com slash advertising to view rates and learn more. Would you like to enable desktop notifications? Oh, not again. Park of the Day, Mullally Park at River Avenue in the Bronx. This 15 acre park in West Concourse in the Bronx was named for newspaperman John Mullally, who also helped found the New York Park Association in 1881. This large park between Jerome Avenue and River Avenue at, at East 165th Street contains multiple amenities and recreation areas and was founded on August 8, 1924. 96 years ago. Here's something you may not have known about New York. On average, there's a birth in New York about once every 4.4 minutes, or about four new New Yorkers during each episode of the Great Big City podcast. Extreme highs and lows for this week in weather history, a record high of 103 degrees on July the 3rd, 1966, and a record low of 52 degrees on June 29th, 1888. Weather for the week ahead, light rain possible on Tuesday and Wednesday, with highs in the 80s throughout the week, reaching a possible high of 87 degrees on Friday. Thanks for listening to A Great Big City. Follow along 24 hours a day on social media at A Great Big City, or email contact at A Great Big City with any news, feedback, or topic suggestions. Subscribe to A Great Big City News wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Player FM, Pocket Casts, or listen to each episode on the podcast pages at agreatbigcity.com slash podcast. If you enjoy the show, subscribe and leave a review wherever you're listening, and visit our podcast site to see show notes and extra links for each episode. The intro and outro music is Start the Day by Lee Rosevear, and the Manhattan Hinge music is by Anonymous420. Thanks for being part of A Great Big City. For the first time, they worked in proximity with Americans of Jewish, Black, Italian, Irish, Russian, Polish, and Indian backgrounds. Fascinating, he said, to see different ethnic and national types work and live so well together. Well, it's how we like to think of America, and it's good to know that Miss Liberty is still giving life to the dream of a new world where old antagonisms could be cast aside and people of every nation could live together as one.